0: All right, good morning church. How are you? Good, all right. That's, that's convincing. Um, it's getting it's colder again. Actually feels like Alaskan winter a little bit again. Um, I, I missed the memo completely on the blue shirt tie thing. Never want your preacher less dressed than your bassist. Um, Worship faux pas. Um, well, I don't know what that. Um, we've been uh, going through this series uh, as as a church, as a family, uh, called the Glory of God. What we've been looking at is out of, the, of what Paul said in Corinthians. He said, "Whatever you do in your life, even if you're eating or drinking, do it all to the glory of God. That every aspect of our lives should be done in light of God and to Him deserving all the glory from every moment." Of our existence. And it was funny, as we sat down as a preaching team to just kind of divvy out the topics for this service uh, for, or for this series, um, you know, certain ones of us were more qualified for topics than others. So, like, I got thinking. Okay, I I think. Like, okay, that works. And they're like, parenting. Justin, no. Let's give it to Chris, because he has kids. No, whatever. Um Marriage, ah, let's not give that to Justin, let's give that to Larry, because he's been married for like a hundred years, big whoop. (laughs) Working, well, we should probably give that to someone who's had a full-time job, so that didn't come to me. So then we got to one, they're like, this, this would actually be perfect for Justin. So today we're talking about leisure (laughs) to the glory of God. I am a professional leisurer, I have a lot of experience with that, um, we're going to look this morning at what does our leisure time look like in light of us being created beings with a God who desires glory from us in every moment of our lives. And before we before we jump into that, I wanted to show you just a couple of sources that I drew from. You know, topical sermons are a little bit different than going verse by verse, and found some resources from some men who have really studied this in the Word. and played out in their lives, and and A, I want to show you these, to, you know, I don't want to plagiarize and give credit where credit's due. Some of the outline that I have today and some of the, the points that I'm making come from these guys, and 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 B, if you want to delve deeper into this topic, just to give you some areas, some, some points of reference to go to, uh, Mark Driscoll from Mars Hill did a great sermon series very recently in their church on the Ten Commandments and what that looks like for us as believers, and one of the sermons he did on was on Remember the Sabbath, uh, great, uh, great sermon that kind of applies to what we're talking about today. David Platt from Brook Hills. Some of you know him from his books, uh, Radical and Follow Me. Uh, he did a sermon on the cross and sports, which as a coach was extremely convicting. And then a podcast uh, from Life of a Steward called God and Rest. So just some areas if you want to dig deeper and, and some, just give you some credit where credit's due for some of the information you'll be getting today. So let's start off with asking the question, well, what is leisure? Like, what specifically are we talking about when we reference this word leisure. According to the dictionary, Webster says that it's time free from work or duties. Time when you can do whatever you want to do. We're actually going to challenge the second part of that definition this morning. But basically, we're referring to our downtime here. Time when you're free, not just from your day job, not just from you know, when you're not, you know, doing what you do for a vocation, but also when you're free from, you know, the errands and the chores and and the duties of your day-to-day life. It's time when you don't have to do something else. Well, look at this with me. There's a there was a statistic here done by the uh, labor uh, the borough of Labor, and what they did was they took this this average. The American, the average American, has five. One hours a day of leisure. Time when they don't have obligation for other things in their lives. Now, this is an average. So some of you say, I don't have nearly that much. Some of you have more than that. Um, And you kind of look at the way that it breaks down. Again, on average, you look at the top there. It says that we spend 18 minutes a day miscellaneous things that are hard to categorize, 17 minutes relaxing and thinking. We spend 25 minutes playing games or using the computer for leisure purposes. We spend 19 minutes participating in sports or exercise or recreation, 20 minutes reading, 39 minutes socializing and communicating, and then look at that big old piece of that pie, that blue section. We, on average, spend 2.8 hours a day watching television. Some of you bring that average up. Some of us are bringing that average down. Probably an imbalance there and we'll look at that in a second. But the question that we want to ask is, as believers, how do do we view this downtime? How how should I engage with these five hours a day? And does it really matter? Is this just a parenthesis to the rest of my life, where God is really asking me of things in my work and how I engage with other people, but then there's this time of the day where, you know, I can just kind of do what I I want. Well, C.S. Lewis, he said it like this, he said, leisure, it kind of looks dark there, leisure, even our play is a matter of serious concern. We can play as we can eat to the glory of God. My goal this morning is to, to show you that, that how we approach leisure is as critical as how we approach every other aspect of our lives. So let's look here. Start off with three um, incomplete views, or, or maybe incorrect views. I like the word incomplete better. Uh, views that we might take on leisure. One is um, we can sometimes take this approach that says if it's not directly spiritual, then it's wrong. If I'm not with my downtime, if I'm not reading the Bible or praying or going to church or listening to you know a Christian artist, then then I'm then I'm not glorifying God. When I, was a, when I was a senior in high school and I was playing basketball, um, we had a tournament over Christmas break where we were going up to Nenana um, to play in, in a tournament that happened to coincide with our uh, youth group, had a, an Arctic District youth conference that we had that was at the same time as this tournament. Well, I, I chose to, to go to this basketball tournament instead of the youth conference. And I remember my youth pastor, he came up to me and he was unimpressed with my decision. And what he told me was he said, Justin, you have chosen basketball over God. Now, is that the conclusion you would come to? It was, it was not the conclusion I came to, obviously. I made that choice. And it's not the conclusion I would come to today. I think we limit God when we think in terms of being Christian. And non-Christian spiritual and, and secular because it gets pretty messy okay you're gonna all after the service you're all gonna go have lunch is that a Christian lunch right <laughs> what is your like does your pancake have to be in a cross shape like I mean, how does that how does that work if I'm gonna go on a hike do I go on a, a, a spiritual hike or a secular hike is there like a fork in the road how do I know see it, it breaks down very very quickly Second view is utilitarianism. Leisure is only for resting so that you can work again. That basically we are robots that every once in a while have to recharge the batteries so we can get up again and go back to work. That, our bot- that we're just machines. This, this view would reject the idea that we could have leisure simply for the sake of leisure. This, that now... Is rest a purpose of leisure? Absolutely, and we'll look at that in a minute. But, but I think that, that we, uh, it's an incomplete view of God's perspective on leisure. There is the aesthetic approach that says the Christian may not have any pleasure in their life. If you're grinning, you're not glorifying God. Okay, I hope that's not the case for me. Um, third, third incorrect view, me time. Me time. This says, I work so hard, ho- so For whatever I, so the idea would be. I mean, think of Larry's going to talk about finances coming up, but think about it in terms of tithing. Oftentimes, we think, okay, well, ten percent is God's, which means ninety percent is mine, right? And 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 we, when we think in terms of things being God's and ours, we think wrongly. When just just like our money, the reality, is all of our time is His. That we were, we were bought with a price, and, that, and with that comes all of our time, all of our resources. And one day, we're going to stand before him, and we're going to give an account. An account of how we spent every single moment of our lives, including when we're watching television, and playing Flappy Bird, and, every, and, 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 and watching sports on television. All of that, we're going to give an account to him. And I think that we fall in, in two extremes as, as people. Um, obviously, these are generalizations. That's why they're called extremes. Some of us fall into the camp, the, the workaholics crowd, okay, that we just go, go, go until we burn out, and that we never quit. And even when we're not working, we're working, and we find ourselves burnt out. Some of us fall on the other extreme and never have a problem with that. <laughs> we're not anywhere near burnout. okay? That flame's going strong. And some of us are bringing that five-hour average up, and some of us are bringing it down. And some of us in this room today need to be reminded that we need some leisure in our lives, that we need some rest. Some of us need to get our fannies off the couch and do something. So let's look then at, these are, those are incomplete views of, 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 of leisure, but what are purposes of leisure? Does he have thoughts? Does he have for us in regard to this downtime. I believe that he does. Number one, he gives us leisure to mirror his rhythms. To mirror his rhythms. Let me explain what I mean. When God created six days creating the world, right? Seventh day, according to Genesis, it says and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested all the work of creation. So God rested on the seventh day of creation. He spent six days creating. The seventh rested. Now, when it says that God rested, it does not mean that he was tired. It's not that God was running around, I gotta make the mountains, I gotta make the platypus, and I gotta make the donkey, and then whoo, whoo, and the seventh day he's gotta catch his breath and time out. Oh, I'm I am pooped, right? That is not is the idea of what God did here when he was resting. This word, and it's really cool, the word to rest in the Hebrew, it meant to cease and to celebrate. And so what God did six days, making this incredible world. And on the seventh day, he set aside this entire day to stand back and go, yeah, I did a really good job. And to pat himself on the back and say, and to celebrate and to enjoy his handiwork, what he had made. God set aside an entire day to enjoy what he had done those other six days. Well, when God did that, he was... something for us. That he created us to be creatures that would work for six days, and then one day we would set aside for to step back and to enjoy what we have done and what he has made. And it's interesting, in the Old Testament, he instituted the Sabbath, right, where he set aside, he told the people of Israel, one day, you're, you're going to set aside, where you, I don't want you to work. I want you to set that one aside for me so that you can rest and enjoy what I've done and what you've done. And, it, and then, well, today, we see uh, the Lord's Day being celebrated on Sunday. Uh, what we're doing right here this morning. Now you say, well, is it supposed to be Saturday or, or Sunday? That's outside the scope of, of where we're going to go this morning. That would be a pretty large caveat. But the interesting thing, and this is kind of just an aside, we actually, in the 20th century in America, as Jewish immigrants would come and, and Christians from other nations would come over, um, the labor union and forces were deciding uh, there's, the, the Jews want Saturday off, the Christians want Sunday off, what do we do? Which one do we take off? Well, for us, the lucky thing was they decided we're going to take them both off. And that's actually how we have our two-day weekend. It's because we couldn't decide which religion to give their day off on. So, you know, praise the Lord. Um, and this is actually a re- in, in the Christian world. Typically, I mean, or I mean in, in the history of the world, this two-day weekend, that's not been the norm. Uh, usually it's been one day at best, so praise God. First um, Timothy, Paul said this. He said, God richly provides us with everything. For what? For our enjoyment. God richly provides, abundantly, beyond anything that we would deserve. He provides us these things for our enjoyment. And I believe... That God wants us to enjoy things for the sake of enjoying them. And I believe us in Alaska have a front row seat to that. That when we step outside as we're driving down the road and the aurora borealis is out, and we over our car and we step out and go, whoa! And we, we are blown away by the beauty of creation and simply just enjoy beholding these lights and the mountains and the creation all around us. We are glorifying God. When we enjoy, God gave us music so that we would enjoy music, that it's a beautiful thing to appreciate and to have our emotions stirred in hand in creating it. He gave us the arts so that we could engage with it and enjoy art. That's why he gave us food. Food is awesome. I don't even know exactly what that is, but I want one of those after church. I've got a crepe thing. Food tastes so good. And he gives us sports. He gives us, you know, recreation, exercise. He gives us all of these things. God made a really, really fun world for us to engage with. And I think, I mean, that crepe thing and having it have no flavor. Like, it has no, would that be enjoyable? Like, what if God had decided, I'm just going to give you lumps of substance to consume. walking around like, Like, eating the food so that we can exist, and it just kind of came this functional thing. Instead of giving us taste buds, where we could enjoy eating. Imagine instead of the beautiful trees outside, he just made these big boxes that just emitted oxygen so that we could breathe. Or or instead of being this amazing handiwork that is called the human being, we all looked the same, and there was no difference between us on the inside or out. But God gave us diversity. He gave us beauty. He gave us humor. Like, this world is hilarious, all right? And, and and it's it's an amazing occasion, and God gave that to us for our enjoyment that we and he has given us time to set aside simply to enjoy those things. But it isn't me time that God can be glorified when we rest and when we have leisure and we enjoy the things that he's given us. And it, we we glorify him comfort and are thankful for it. It's, it's, an, it's an attitude of gratitude. It, it's the difference of when I, when I bite, you want to know what it looks like to glorify God how we eat? I take a big old bite of that crepe. God, this crepe is so good. Thank you. Thank you for making crepes and making them taste awesome. Is that a crepe? I have no idea that's actually a crepe. Um, that everything, when we do, it we say thank you for it, because when we say thank you to someone, it implies that they did something for us. And God did something incredible for us. He gave us this world, this beautiful, hilarious, wonderful world to engage with and to enjoy and thank him for. Number two, God gave us leisure to remind us of our humanity. See, unlike God, we need rest because we get tired. You and I wear out. God is spirit. Spirits don't get tired. We have a physical body that needs. And, and one of the things that God teaches us through our need for rest and leisure is that is, is humility and, and dependence. That we are frail beings. As creatures, we need. We are in need. And God reminds us of that through our need to sleep. Well, we need sleep every night. You know what it's like even when you go running on a little bit of sleep. How cranky you get. We need that rest, and it teaches us our, of our dependence on the Creator. Isaiah 40 says that even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. As a high school coach, I say amen to that. Um, and it's, the picture is amazing. In Hebrews 4, he shows us the, the creation rest that he took, and the Sabbath rest that he he modeled for us is all a picture of the rest that we are to have in the person of Jesus Christ. That we rest from from our work and our inability to please him and do anything that can glorify him, and we rest in the finished work of Christ that glorifies the Father. Uh, As an illustration, this little story I found, uh, one day a man challenged another man to an all-day wood-chopping contest a manly thing to do. The challenger worked very hard, stopping only for a brief lunch. The other man had a leisurely lunch and took several breaks during the day. At the end of the day, the challenger was surprised and annoyed to find that the other fellow had chopped substantially more wood than he had. I don't get it, he said. Every time I checked, you were taking a rest, yet you chopped more wood than I did. But you didn't notice, said the winning woodsman, that when I sat down to rest, I was sharpening my axe. A certain amount of rest is needed for everyone. It sharpens the axe. It freshens the mind and the body. It recharges the battery. It fuels the flame and energizes the spirit. One of the reasons for leisure is simply that we might rest. Our body and minds need rest. And the reward of leisure might be that you're going to find something that you enjoy doing that will enhance all the other areas of your life. And you might find a hobby that you enjoy doing, and it actually helps you with the rest of your your daily work. And remember, the utilitarian limits it to that purpose, that we're only resting so that we can get back to that work. But we see that this is a purpose. And sometimes, um, a a teacher at Bible school, I love the way he said this. He said, sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do is take a nap. Sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do is say, you know what? I am a human being. I am on the ropes. I am against the wall. I need a 20-minute power nap. Or maybe a 20-hour power nap sometimes, right? See, secondly, we glorify God in our leisure by simply acknowledging our frailty, his sufficiency, and resting. Third, we, we, one of the purposes for leisure is to connect with God and others. Nothing, there is nothing God wants more than to be with us. Sit on that for a second. Nothing, the creator of this universe, wants more than to be with you and to spend time with you. And conversely, there is nothing that satisfies us more than being with him. Nothing will bring you more satisfaction than to, to back the presence of your God. And Jesus was, was such, a great, uh, such a great illustration of this in, in the Gospels, in his life. And we look at the ways that, that Jesus strove to find time alone to be with God, and we see that Early in the morning, this is a good test for some of us, early in the morning Jesus would rise to go and be alone with his father. That One night he spent, in in Luke 6 it describes this night where he spent the entire night on this mountainside just to spend time with his father. That after he fed the 5,000 he'd done this incredible thing, it says Jesus pushed away from the crowds and just wanted to be with God. Uh, When he heard the bad news of John the Baptist, his cousin gets beheaded. Tough thing to deal with. That what did he need? He needed time with dad. And and then in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before the hour of his deepest need and sorrow, he, he goes in with the disciples, but then he goes beyond them and he kneels at that rock and he interacts just him and his dad. What does a parent want most from their child? More than them to be healthy and behave and to grow up and be successful. They want to spend time with their child. They want their child to want to spend time with them. Nothing that a parent craves more. Nothing that will satisfy a child more. And you look back at this week and you think, how many minutes did I spend with God? And not from like a legalistic standpoint of where, oh, you got to spend 15 minutes every day in devotions and then God will be happy with you. But in the same way that if you love someone here on earth, you spend time with them, the lover of your soul is waiting Waiting for you to acknowledge Him and to approach Him like a daddy and talk to Him and listen to Him. And then I think back to some of the sweetest times in my life. I remember one day I went down to the Cook Inlet on the beach and just spent like four or five hours. Um, remember, I'm the one with a lot of leisure time. Um, spent four or five hours on the beach just, just being in God's presence and listening to Him and talking to Him. And that was a major turning point in my life just simply from that time spent with God, or taking my bike down to the Kenai River and just sitting there and being in creation, enjoying what he's made and and listening to the things that he might say to me. And for you, this might mean taking a hike. This might mean getting into the boat with a rod and a reel. This might mean sitting on the back porch with a cup of coffee, singing your lungs out with just you and your guitar. Also, not just connecting with God, but to connect with others. To connect with others. Um, Jesus, he, when he came to this earth, he spent so much time with other people that they actually called him They called him a glutton and a drunkard. Jesus was always at, at parties and he was always at dinners hanging out with people. Jesus was, well, I imagine Jesus was a blast to hang out with when he was here on earth. He came down to this world to be with people. And, and you know, you look back at that at that pie chart we looked at earlier. It said that we we on average spend 39 minutes a day, four and a half hours a week, socializing and communicating. Now, we socialize in other areas when we work and things. But intentional time that we set aside strictly to interact with other people, four and a half hours a week. You compare that to watching television 2.8 hours a day, 20 hours a week. A lot of us have a part-time job watching television. Five times more time spent on watching TV shows than socializing with people around you. And we get so busy being entertained or we get so busy working that we don't make time for others around us. When the reality is the souls in this room, in this world, are the only thing that are going to last. The only thing that is eternal. And what are we going to regret more? Not making that extra buck? Not finishing that task? Or are we going to regret not making time for that person? Pursuing that relationship. Having that conversation. And for you, this might mean... A, a, might mean a reprioritization of life. It might mean even something as simple as being more intentional with family dinner time. I would bet all of you guys, family dinner time looks exactly like this, right? Perfectly white teeth. Everyone sitting on the same side of the table for some reason. <laughs> Eating food right at five o'clock. It might mean intentionally having some parties together, inviting people over to your house. I, I don't know what that is. You do. But, but making intentional time for people. So let's look at this. We take this, these three purposes, and then how do we apply these to our life? Well, first of all, we need to, we need to balance leisure with other areas of our, our lives. That we don't want to do either of these things. We don't want to make it the center of our lives where we are working for the weekend and everything we're doing is just, the, I get through the work weeks so that I can make money and have time to play. Okay, but we also don't want to fall in the other extreme where we reject leisure and don't see the value and the purpose of it from God's perspective. We want to avoid the extremes of all play and no work and all work and, and no play. Some of us need to be reminded of the one. Some of us need to be reminded of the other. Secondly, we need to think about how engage in leisure. That we need to think about excellent forms of leisure. I mean, there is television inherently t- evil? No. But it's the least resistance for many of us to just turn our brains off and veg in front of the TV. It's a very passive form of entertainment. When instead we can think about the incredible gifts that God has given us and how we can enjoy those things. Uh, Think about physical exercise. Think about art and music and friendship, and being in nature, and spending time thinking about God, worshiping God, spending time with God, spending time with other people. There are so many profitable ways that we can use our leisure. We need to seek it, how to be excellent, even in our downtime. And thirdly, we need to reject unrighteous forms of leisure. There are some areas of leisure in our life that are not wholesome, are not profitable for us to engage with. There are certain movies that you know that you should not watch. Music that you should listen to. Certain buffet tables that you should not attend. Certain locations that you should not go to. Certain people that you should not interact with. That you know that these things are a bad thing. And some of these things may be profitable for some, but not for others. We're not going to make blanket statements and say, this thing's bad, that thing's bad, this thing's good, that thing's good. And oftentimes, what needs to change is not what we are doing, but how we are doing it. What is my attitude and my approach to this thing? And am I looking to glorify and magnify myself in it or to glorify and magnify Him in it? And what I desire most is going to creep and seep out into everything that I do. When I was going through this sermon, you know, the, the thing that I use you know, a large portion of my downtime with is to coach basketball. And I see how easily I can use that for selfish means or for selfless means. That I can use it to, to, for my own glory to build up to win and to be successful and to have other people admire what I do but I can also use it for his fame and his worth to be spread I can use it to disciple I can use it to, to, to interact with unbelievers other coaches and referees and people that I come into contact with to see the ways that, it, that I can grow in godliness and that I can have character development through these things in basketball There are a million ways to use it for His glory and a million ways to use it for mine. And I believe that we can find how to blend things that we enjoy doing with value and the ways that will glorify Him. So the question should be, it should not be, how much leisure can I get away with? It should not be, how many hours can I spend playing sports until it's a sin? How close can I get to life? How many, how many, how, how many bad scenes have to be in this movie until I should shut it off? How much time should I spend away from my family doing this stuff that I want to do out on the boat until I'm reflecting? And that line, the question should not be how much can I get away with, but the question should be, how can I use every moment of my life to enjoy God and glorify Him? And if we ask that question that will completely change our point of view on the thing that we're engaging with. And so to look here, God God gives us good gifts. God gives us good gifts. He loves us and he wants us to have good things. That's why Paul said he's given us richly, he's provided everything for our enjoyment. Uh, that, That these things are not, inherent. sports is not inherently evil. Entertainment, music, and movies are not inherently evil. Vacation is not inherently evil. Flappy bird might be inherently evil. Dumb game. But these things are from God. He's he's given these things because he loves you, and he wants to give you good gifts for you to enjoy. But, here's the thing, those things are not bad, but our hearts are the things that are sinful. And what happens is sin is taking that good and turning it into a god. That, that's what we do. We take these good gifts and Romans says that we worship the creation instead of the creator. So basketball is a great gift but it makes a lazy God. And when I look for the things that only God can give to me from that I will be disappointed and I will not be satisfied. Those needs will not be met and I will only be led to disappointment. It's idolatry. You can't really read it there. i running out of screen. But good gifts make lousy gods. So, what shall we do? I'm going to close with this idea, this, uh, some self-examination. Stock. And when we do this, I don't, this is not a checklist for us to go, Oh, yep, I'm doing that one. Oh, not doing that one. Do, oh, 9 out of 10 is not bad. Okay, We're not approaching it like that. This is in hopes that the Spirit might convict us, show us some things in our hearts that might need to change. So as we examine ourselves, we want to examine a few things. First of all, we want to examine our hearts. God said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. What is your heart set on? Is your heart set on him, or is it set on entertainment? Set on sports? Is it set on that vacation? Oftentimes, you are not the best one to answer that question. You come to someone in your life who knows you and cares about you, and you say, what do you think my heart is set on? And the answer can be surprising sometimes. Examine your mind. Where does your mind default toward? I love this. Tim Keller said it like this. He said, The true God of your heart, the true God of your heart, is what your thoughts effortlessly go to when there is nothing else demanding your attention. So when when nothing else is is demanding your attention, where, where do your thoughts by default go to? It can often be an indication of what is the God of your heart. Examine your conversations. What What is on your mind comes out of your mouth. So ask yourself this question. What are my most passionate conversations about? The things when I talk about other people that get me the most excited, that I care the most deeply about, can often be an indicator. Examine your emotions. Finish this statement. My happiness depends on... or my sadness depends on... Whether or not Duke beat North Carolina, right? You know, this weekend we had a tough loss on Friday night, and it was just amazing the way that that affected how grumpy I got. Larry knows, I snapped at him. How easy it is for those things to affect your emotions. Now, should we be emotional about other things? Absolutely. But what does my happiness and sadness depend on? Examine your use of money. Your use of money, where your treasure is, Jesus said, there your heart will be also. Your money follows your heart. How much money do I spend on blank? Is there a dollar amount that makes it sinful? No, no. But it can also often be of where our hearts are, of what's most important to us. And it might be something that the Holy Spirit is pricking at you about. Examine your time. How much time a week do you spend watching television? Or hunting? Or quilting? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Versus, how much time do we spend sharing the gospel with other people? Making time for others. For the ones that we love. Spending time with the Lord. Again, it's not spiritual versus not spiritual. But oftentimes, the inordinate amount of time we spend on something could indicate that it is the God of our hearts. Finally, examine your perspective. In the light of eternity, does it matter who won that game? Does it matter if you got the full vacation that you thought you were owed? Does it matter if you watched that entire series on Netflix? Or does it matter if the gospel got to the ends of the earth? the name of Jesus was proclaimed in and through your life. So you know as you're looking through this list if you're like me and there's a lot of things that that come to the surface, a lot of things to convict you of and you know as not this is not guilt driven. So what do, what do we do with this? What do we do with this inventory? Well, three things. Number one, we repent of this idolatry. This is very similar to what Jacob talked about in the in the kickoff sermon of the series that Repent means to change your mind. So I change the way I'm thinking about this thing. I say, I'm, I was wrong. I put this thing on my throne. And I change the way I think about that thing. And we, we, we are honest. We confess the idolatry that we've committed. But number two, and this is the, the most important step, that we rest in Christ. That we cannot just try harder to not become idolaters, but to believe and to recognize that Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for your and my idolatry. And then he took that idolater and nailed me to the cross. And then he rose again and gave me a new life, and it's his life, it's his righteousness, and Jesus' life fully pleases God and has one aim, and that is to glorify God in everything that he does. And that's what we've been given as believers. And then finally, in that rest in Christ, we can rejoice in God. That Jesus brings us to where we can say thank you to the good giver of those good gifts and worship him in the enjoyment of all things. That we can approach that leisure time to connect with him and to connect with other people. That we can rest and recharge the batteries so that we continue to engage in the hard work that he's called us to but above all to acknowledge that God loves us and he's given us good things so that we can enjoy them to the glory of the good giver. Let's pray. Father, you you love us so much. I thank you for this world that you gave us. You did not give us a boring world. You gave us so many things that we can enjoy. And, and, and we can laugh and we can dance and we can sing and we can play and we can run and we can do all of these things to your glory when we acknowledge that you gave them to us. Father, thank you for leisure. Thank you for humor. Thank you for fun and for exercise and for all of these things that you've given us. Father, may we keep them in the proper perspective. We don't go out into this world just doing our own thing. Well, we are not alone. That you walk with us every step of the way and that, that you put us on this earth to have relationship with you but father we rejected you we went our own way because we would rather sit on the throne than acknowledge that you're on it father we repent of that we repent of the way that we've made ourselves and other things god instead of you being god pray that we as a body would change our mind of those things and that we would rest in the person of your son and realize that, that he has paid it all that he has crucified us to that sin and raised us to a new life. And it's in that new life that you can be glorified and that we can enjoy you forever. Father, may we rejoice in the things you've given us, namely the person of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray, amen.